if you would please take your Bibles with me and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 will be in verses 25 through 33 this morning. We are going through a verse-by-verse study through this great letter, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. And we find ourselves looking at the responsibilities of a wife to a husband and a husband to a wife. This morning, we're only going to get through half of this, so we're going to have a part one, part two. That's not to pick on the husbands. That is essentially to match the text, because as you can see, there is about double the amount written to the husband. So we'll begin starting reading together from verse 22 down through verse 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself. In splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of God. There is a sense that when we come to a passage like this, because we know we don't live up to it, that we can begin to make jokes. It can be humorous. In fact, this is the way our culture approaches this issue. Watch any Disney movie and the dad is a joke. And part of the reason is Because this is the way we deal with not living up to the standard that God has set. And yet I want to show you right here from the beginning that it is quite clear that this is no joking matter. This responsibility of a wife's submission to her husband and a husband's love for the wife, Paul says in verse 32, this mystery is profound. A mystery is just something that was once hidden but is now revealed, made known, it's profound. I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That statement right at the beginning ought to sober us up real quick. These are weighty matters that we are dealing with, eternal matters that we are dealing with. This is serious. How is the world going to have a picture of this if If we don't take this serious, if we don't come to this with all humility, with a longing to follow Christ in this way. This mystery is profound, I'm saying, that it refers to Christ and the church. 
Now, last week, we learned all about the wife's responsibility, and her responsibility was that she was to submit to her husband. But you'll note in verse 33, a summary statement of that. If you missed last week, here's the summary. Verse 33, nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as himself. Here's the summary statement to the wife, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Wives, your responsibility before the Lord in marriage is to respect your husband, which is an interesting summary statement. I mean, Paul summed up the husband's responsibilities rightly. He said love, and that makes sense because six times in this passage, he uses the word love. But he didn't use the word respect when writing to the wives. He used the word submit. So why now is he changing it from submission to respect? Is he lessening it? What's going on here? He's not lessening it. No, actually quite the contrary. He's strengthening it. What he's saying is your submission, the submission of a wife to a husband and a husband's love for his wife, it is to flow from the heart. This is not mere outward obedience, outward submission. This is the kind of submission that flows from a heart that respects her husband. This is the correct summary statement. And I want to show you that he does this with each relationship that he addresses. Look at Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents. There's the command. Obey your parents in the Lord. Outward manifestation there. For this is right. And then the quotation with a slightly different wording. Honor your father and mother, which addresses the heart attitude, uh, one of honoring your parents. So, yes, you obey them, but that's only the outward manifestation of a heart that longs to honor them. For the wife, submission is the outward manifestation of inward respect. For the child, it is the same thing. Our Lord is not after compulsory obedience. This isn't reluctant. This is given from a heart that longs to serve the Lord. With slaves, we have the same thing. Look at Ephesians 6, 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, and in this, doing the will of God from the heart. This is all about heart obedience. Masters, a similar thing. Masters, Ephesians 6, 9, do the same to them. What does that mean? Uh, The same refers back to what he has just said in verses 6 and 7, where Paul had written to the slaves that they were to do the will of God from the heart. Masters, you are to do the will of God, fulfill your calling from the heart. There's no reluctance. And he says, stop threatening. Why? Knowing that he, who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. In other words, he's not looking for the wife to submit and respect her husband from the heart and not the husband. He's not looking for the slaves to obey their masters from the heart and not their masters. Everyone is to have this kind of heart obedience. One more, just to strengthen the argument. We've seen what Paul says about relationships. How about Peter? 1 Peter 5, 1, elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, and then this, addressing the heart, not under compulsion, but willingly. All of these things 
flow directly from the heart. Whatever the calling, whatever the command, it must flow from the heart. Not only from the heart, but also, all of this makes it clear, to the Lord. From the heart to God. Elders, shepherd the flock, and then he adds, as God would have you. This is given to God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, you are serving the Lord Christ. Keep this in mind. I I know that your relationship seems horizontal, but actually the more important relationship is vertical. You are serving Christ. Uh, Single people, the same thing. The unmarried man, 1 Corinthians 7.32, is to be anxious about the things of the Lord. You are serving the Lord. This raises the calling, no matter what the calling, all to Christ, from the heart to Christ. Children, singles, wives, husbands, slaves, masters, your obedience, all of it is to be from your heart to God, an act of worship to him, an acceptable act of worship. Now, all of that is to lay an extremely important foundation what Paul is about to write towards the men. And that is that just as your wife is called to submit and respect you from the heart towards the Lord, so also you are called to love her from your heart. Nothing less will do to the Lord. And this is appropriate for the men to understand because we can sometimes be rather mechanical about this and task-oriented about this, a checklist of activities that proves our love. And the Lord is saying here, no, stop. Are these things flowing from your heart? Is this love the kind of love that is defined by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we can be great at telling our wives that we love them, but do we show it? Do we show it? As the Lord looks down, does he see it? Does Christ see our love as a good model of his love for the church? Does your family see your love as a good model for Christ's love for the church? All these questions are addressed by what Paul has written here. And we'll divide the passage up in two weeks with four questions. We'll cover the first two this morning, two questions in order to help us determine whether or not we are truly loving our wives as the Lord has called us to. So men, this is our hour, a high calling that we are to fulfill. And ladies, let me caution you that this hour is not about you getting ammunition so that you might fire at your husband. That is not going to do you any good. It's not going to do him any good. That is the Holy Spirit's responsibility. You have a responsibility. We covered that last week. Now your husband has a responsibility. So husbands, listen up. First question. Does your love sacrifice? Does your love sacrifice? Is it a sacrificial kind of love? We get this from verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself 
up for her. That is a humbling command, to say the least. One that none of us will ever live up to. And yet, it's the command. It's the path. It's the calling. This is what we are to pursue. Humbly following in our Lord's footsteps. And as we follow, where does it lead? Not to selfishness, self-pleasing, harshness, bitterness, unkindness, pride, boasting, never to lust, never uncaring, certainly not neglect or abuse, not greed. It leads to love. Christ-like love. Agape love, that's the word used here, which means this love is not only sacrificial, Christ gave of himself, also it is unconditional. No prior conditions need to be met by our wives in order for us to love. Regardless of what the conditions are, we love. This is our calling. Agape love means reflecting the love that God himself is. Not based upon emotions or feelings, circumstances. This is an act of the will, which will lead the husband to sacrifice himself for the sake of his wife, even at great cost, even the cost of his life. It is a selfless love. It's given whether or not it's received by the wife. It's given whether or not it's returned by the wife. It is a love that always stands at the ready to make any sacrifice for the wife's good. This is where the footsteps lead. In following the footsteps, they go straight to the cross. No detours. No me time. Luke 9, 51. He, Jesus, set his face to go to Jerusalem, to the cross. He purposed himself, an act of the will. Remember in the garden, he prayed. Let this cup pass if possible. An act of the will. Not my will, but your will be done. This is our prayer. So Paul says, husbands, love your wives. And then he just had to add this, just as Christ loved the church. I mean, the wife's model for submission will always be far from perfect. The church is not perfect. If you think it's perfect, stay a while. We're not perfect. But our model for love, there's no shortcomings. This is perfection. We can't make any excuses. And all of this stands to remind us here right at the beginning that only those who are truly and continuously being filled up with the Holy Spirit will be able to even get close to living up to this standard. And if you think being filled with the Spirit means 
I've sacrificed for my wife. The glass has been filled up, and now that I've sacrificed, it's been poured out. I'm empty. I've got nothing left. Wife, you need to love me in order that my glass might be filled up. You're wrong. That's not the idea. Maybe take the glass illustration, but then break out the bottom, put it in the pure river, and let the Holy Spirit flow through it continuously, constantly filling you up. It is like a ship with a sail, and the wind is constantly blowing you and strengthening you in the right direction. This is the idea. This goes all the way back to Paul's prayer at the end of chapter 3. Christ lives in you. He dwells in you. He prays, Father, allow Christ to dwell in them, strengthen them. Uh, Allow Christ to fill every room in the house. Open the door to every aspect of your life so that you might be continuously filled up with Christ and now being able to live out the calling you've been called to. Continuously filled with the Spirit. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5.17 Do not be drunk with wine. That is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. So are you filled with the Spirit? Do you love like Christ loved? Do you sacrifice for Him? This last week, did you sacrifice anything for your wife? This coming week, are you planning to sacrifice anything for your wife? Do you plan to deny yourself for her sake? Do you give up your desires to meet her needs? This is what it means to be continuously filled up with the Spirit. This is what it means to follow after Christ. Your love is either sacrificial in nature or else it is worldly. The world has a version of love that it proclaims everywhere. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can see it on Netflix. Wherever you want to go, you will see this version of love. And this version is self-oriented. It is, according to the world's standards, a person is loved. Why? Because of what they have to offer you. Physical attraction, sure, I'll love. Personality, I'll love. Intellect, I will love. Money, I will love. Worldly love manipulates, says that I love in order to get what it really loves. This is not Christ-like love. Romans 5, 8, God shows, or the idea there is to demonstrate, God demonstrates his love for us. So husbands, our ears ought to perk up. What is this love going to look like? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Regardless of whether or not your wife is living in obedience to the Lord, meeting your expectations, your call is to love. And love all the way, not halfway, sacrificially dying for her. If you want to give your children, if you want to give your wife an illustration of the gospel, this is it. Each week, your child knows what Christ's love looks like because they see dad sacrificing for their mother. If someone needs to stay up late, get up early, you're the man. If your flesh wants a little me time, but your wife needs a little you time, me time, done. 
Need a night out with the guys when she needs you home to help with the kids? Which, by the way, is a ridiculous trade. Guys, I'm sorry, you got nothing to offer when (laughs) I can be with my wife. And we're thinking about this rightly, but we gladly give up what our flesh desires. If you would rather not talk when she clearly needs you to talk, you deny yourself just like you do at work when you talk to your wife. Sacrificial love. This is the calling, serving her, sacrificing for her, just as Christ has for you. And why did Christ do this for you? Why did he give of himself? Because he loves you. Why do you do this for your wife? Because you love her. The foundation of our love for our wives is not what she is or isn't. It has nothing to do with that. Even her beauty, as good as that is, is not the soil by which you plant your love. Beauty fades away. But this kind of willful love, following after Christ's example, it remains forever. Agape love. John MacArthur writes, love does whatever needs to be done and without regard of cost or merit. It reaches out and helps. It leads, teaches, warns, encourages. Whatever is needed, it gives. Whatever help, whether it's received or not or rejected, Appreciated or resented, love continues as long as that need continues. Therefore, the husband who loves his wife because of what she may do for him does not love as God loves. And the husband who loves his wife only because of her physical attractiveness or pleasing temperament does not love as God does. And the husband who loves his wife for what she can give him does not love as Christ loves the church. He does love as the world loves, but not as Christ does. Only the husband who gives everything he has for his wife, including his life, loves as Christ loves the church. This is the calling. We give of ourselves. This is love. Paul has already told us this in Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. What does this look like? Walk in love. Okay, what does that look like? As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And what is this? A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is great that we're all here this morning, dressed up, ready to worship the Lord. But each week, are you sending up before the Lord a fragrant offering as you sacrifice your life for your wife? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, I lay down my life for the sheep, John 10, 15. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And the good husband lays down his life for his wife. There's no room for selfishness. The supreme test of whether or not you love your wife sacrifice are you sacrificing first john three sixteen. by this men we know love that christ laid down his life for us and so the verse continues we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers 
And as an argument from the lesser to the greater, also for our wives. Do they know you love them? Do you sacrifice for them? That's the first question, which helps to paint the picture of what love truly is. But another question, extremely important, does your love sanctify? Does it sanctify? Verses 26 through 27. Husbands, Paul writes, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that, here's the purpose, he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she would be holy and blameless. Here's love's goal, the purpose, actually three purposes all related at the beginning of Ephesians 5.26. So that he might sanctify her, set her apart. At the beginning of verse 27, that or so that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory. And then at the end of verse 27, that she would be holy and blameless. Sanctification is the goal. Purity is the goal. True love always points others, or in this case, one's wife, in the direction of Christ-likeness. Sanctification. Which, by the way, think of your wife's calling today. She is called as a helpmate to you, given by the Lord as a gift to you, one flesh with her. So, if you pursue this, seeking to allow her to be sanctified and purified, which essentially means set apart to the Lord in order to serve him, what is that going to mean? You're going to be helped. You're going to be benefited. All of this, your love essentially is going to eventually flow back towards you. You take care of your own flesh because you love yourself. She is your flesh. One flesh union. This is love. It sanctifies. Sanctification is the goal. So then the goal has nothing to do with our own selfish desires, but it has everything to do with presenting our wives to the Lord without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. These are our orders on high. Now you might be asking, how do I do this? In one sense, I can't answer that for you. You are called to live with your wife in an understanding way, which means you are called to know your wife and know what she needs and where she needs help and encouragement and all those things. But let me give you a few general ideas. How do I know these? Because these are standards I have not met. You can pray with her. You can read the word with her. You can encourage her to pray and read the word on her own. You can encourage her to meditate and memorize on the word. You can talk with her about the word. You can free her up so that she has time to do these things. You can encourage her by buying books about the Word. You can make church a high priority in your family. You can cut out worldly entertainment. You can fill your home with hymns and spiritual songs and spiritual things, all of these types of things. You can encourage her to use her 
gifts in service of Christ. You can encourage her to find godly friends who will encourage her and older women who will teach her. You can ask her, how is she doing spiritually? And then you can listen. You can ask her what she needs help with. You can simply ask her about her relationships with the Lord. How's it going? You can pray for her spiritual health. There's so much more you could say there and add there. But this is our ministry, the washing of the word. The desire of a husband is to put the word front and center in your home so that everyone in your home begins to be washed by it. One more that I think is extremely important. It is great to do these things or to ask these things, but are you providing her with an example to follow in these? Now Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So can you say that to your wife? Imitate me. You, you want to know what sanctification looks like? Uh, let me show you. Let me encourage you. It looks like this. Let me tell you what the Lord is teaching me and how he's encouraging me. It's so sweet to have a relationship with the Lord. I desire for you to have a relationship with the Lord. This is what it looks like to pursue sanctification, to put off sin and temptation and to put on righteousness. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. This is what it looks like. This is the goal. So if this is the goal, we have to have a spiritual conversation with our wife. We have to check on her. Pray with her. Open the word with her. You might do a great job at making sure your truck is clean. Religiously taking it to the car wash each week. Detailing that thing. That's your baby. But do you take the word so that your wife and your family is washed? This is what matters for all of eternity. Inward beauty, that's our concern. Love sanctifies because love always wants what is best for the one it loves. Cannot bear even the slightest defilement. Doesn't lead the wife to the world's corruptions or to pride. Leads to Christ, always to Christ. Psalm 51, 6, David said, Behold you, the God, delight and truth in the inward being. This is your delight for yourself, but this is also your delight for your wife. Truth in the inward being, springing forth, flowing outward obedience from the heart. Truth taking root. That's the purpose, sanctification. But then he goes on to explain another aspect of this. He says in verse 27 that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory. Listen, our wives are, in one sense, just on loan to us. A gift given from the Heavenly Father. And one day will be presented to the Father. Now, she may be presented holy and blameless and pure, and yet... It's just because of her faithfulness. Wouldn't it be better to know that you played a part in this because this is exactly what God called you to do? To present her, Heavenly Father, 
you gave me the best gift. And it's my honor to say that I, I tried with everything I have to present her to you as holy and blameless and also unblemished. What did Christ or Paul say in 2 Corinthians 11, 1? And this is a good illustration. Paul writes to the church, I do wish you would bear with me a little foolishness, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to the one husband. Why? To present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Galatians 4, 19, my little children for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth. Intense feelings. Why? I'm in anguish until Christ is formed in you. That's my desire. That's my prayer. I'm in anguish about these things. Deeply concerned about this. As husbands, I think sometimes our goals can be much lesser. I desire for my wife to be happy, happy wife, happy home, comfortable. This is what we really want. This is our God. We just want comfort in the home, just peace. But that's not the goal. Not happiness Holiness, happiness that flows from holiness. This is the goal, to pursue sanctification, even if that makes you uncomfortable. Might be a tough conversation, might be a lot of sacrificing, but this is the goal. So the question is, do you desire this goal for your wife? And if you can't say yes, then there is some sense in which you are not loving her as you ought. This is the test of our love. Christ's love is not only sacrificial, it's also sanctifying. And sanctifying because one day he will present us to the Father in glory. Justification, sanctification, glorification. He who began a good work will complete it. John 13, 1, he loved them, having loved them, he loved them all the way to the end. Husbands, having loved them, will you love them all the way to the end, even when your love is tested? All the way to the finish. It will not be easy, but this is your calling. It is a high calling. Remember the calling, it is to show the world a picture, an illustration of Christ's love for the church. Is it any wonder then that marriage is so attacked in our day? This is Satan's number one strategy. So how do you fight back against that? It's not just the voting booth. It starts in every home and in every heart, a husband who actually loves his wife. This is how you attack that front. This is how you stand firm. You sacrifice for her. You seek to see her sanctified. This is our calling. There's more that we will say. Again, this is only the first two questions. But I think this is enough for us to chew on for now. Let me end by one more time just reminding the wives, this is not for you to use and to beat up your husband. We know we don't meet this standard. Our heart is to meet it. We do desire your help. 
But wives, remember, this is not your calling. Your calling is not to make him love you. Your calling is to respect him and to submit to him. And I think right at the very end, it is worth noting 1 Peter chapter 3. Because I know the temptation can be opposite of this. Peter says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word. What is that? Even if some do not love, that's obedience to the word. They may be one without a word, saying nothing, not constantly bringing before him how he's not meeting the expectations, how he's not meeting the standard without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Wives, you have a great weapon. It's gentleness. It's respect. This weapon melts the heart of a husband. You have an even greater weapon. It's prayer. This weapon will melt the heart of a husband. And yet, even if that husband still does not love. Your calling before the Lord is the same. Exactly the same. Husbands, our calling is not easy either. And I need to remind you right at the end that it cannot be filled out or lived out without the Holy Spirit. And so to end, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Here's a prayer for you to be filled with the Spirit so that you might love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Remember, this is what we're talking about here. This is heart-level love. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now, having been filled with the fullness of God, guess what? Love. Because God is love. And in this statement, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. What's going to bring him glory in your home? Love your wife just as Christ has loved the church. And if the spirit lives inside of you, he will empower you to do far more abundantly than all you can ask or think. This does not mean that one day you're going to be you're guaranteed to be famous and everyone will know your name. But it does mean that those within your house will know that husband, that father, he loves. He loves. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, which certainly convicts. Father, we pray that you would. Remind us, remind the husbands of these things. Lord, prepare the young men 
to be able to be this kind of husband one day. Father, strengthen us, empower us, fill us with your spirit continuously that we might love just as your son has loved us and present to the world an illustration, a living illustration of Christ's love for his church. Father, we pray for the wives, Lord, that even though as husbands we do not live up to this, and even though they hear the command, they know the command, that you would give them the strength to live out their calling even despite our failures in this area. And Father, for those wives who do not have husbands that obey the word, they do not know you, Father, we ask that you would use their pure and gentle and respectful conduct to show them Christ, that they might bow their knee to you and so fulfill their calling as husbands. Father, we need your help. We know you love to give it. So Father, fill us with your spirit that we might please you and offer up to you a fragrant offering, a sacrifice that is pleasing to you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Please.